Welcome back to Channel KRT, the podcast where we take a look at the best and worst of obscure media. Yeah, this is one of the worst. It's so fucking bad that Randy was actually supposed to introduce this episode, and she's just currently on the corner, just sighing and shaking, so... The angry hurts! <laughs> I'm Kit Quinn, and my idea of good manners is never watching this movie again. I'm Randy Martin, and I have nothing but fucking contempt in the deepest, most wretched bowels of my soul for this... What do you even call this? This is not a movie! This is a war crime! It's good manners to fucking blow this kid to smithereens. <laughs> the, the United Nations should be investigating this shit. I'm Tyler Green, and all I have to say is fuck... Beesbo. Fuck this little hell demon from the toilet that he fucking came from. I want to send this little shit back to hell where he rightfully belongs. Who the fuck is this movie for? My god. <laughs> well, since we're all over the place with our introduction today, I'll do the honors and introduce our very special guest today. You know him as a comedian from the Philadelphia area. You also know him as the host of the Kidflix podcast. Please welcome to the show, Ross Wiseman. Hey, hey, hey. Let me just start by saying, Beesbo's Magic does it again. Huzzah! <laughs> Maybe Beesbo will finally end the pandemic. <laughs> I feel like this is secretly Ross's revenge for me kind of sort of ripping off the kid flicks idea, but it's about obscure media, so I can at least apologize to you in person. Yeah, and it seems like when I proposed this to you, you were stumped that this was so obscure that you had not heard of it or even had any glimmer. Here's the thing. I kind of have heard of it in the sense that I think that everything is terrible has showcased it like at least once or twice. Because I specifically remember one of the really bizarre fucked up clips that we'll get into later on. I'm kind of amazed this hasn't been seen more on Everything is Terrible or become a meme. Hell, half of this, I just wanted to go back to watching the Pod People episode of MST3K. I'm glad this is obscure. This should be obscure. In fact, this should be so obscure that like three people have only heard of it. And those three people are, uh, I, I, I don't know, someone... People who did something so unforgivably horrible that they are now cursed with the knowledge of Beesbo. They're probably in jail now. <laughs> Man, we are reaping what we sowed. I don't know what we sowed exactly, but we're reaping it anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, basically, I tried to look up the IMDb for this movie while watching it because I had to figure out what the hell this was. It has so little information on it that there are only two actors credited. The first is the director, Robert C. Bailey, who's been a producer for Hollywood Detective and Remington Steele. And the other is some guy named Gary R. Thiemann, who plays the dad. And I guess he directed a bunch of documentaries. And I'm just going to guess that he's a much better director than he is an actor because, sweet Jesus, the acting in this is terrible. The IMDb also says that it was made in 1999. There's no fucking way this was made in 1999. Shitty children's educational tapes in the 90s had substance in at least one celebrity cameo, at least. Well, also, 
if this was made in the 90s, there would also have been like a rap or something about like napkin placement. Like this is definitely the late 80s. Like it was printed exclusively on Betamax. Like you can kind of feel that. They would parody this like crazy in the 90s. They would, this would be on Animaniacs or The Simpsons. Like, <laughs> Also, there would be a shitload of just fisheye lens shots in this and just a lot of bad rapping galore like i definitely see beesbo starting off with my name is beesbo and i'm here to say <laughs> instead it starts off with this fucking <laughs> phil collins knockoff song about good manners and i could not remember the lyrics for it for the life of me the lyrics are i believe parents telling you what to do do the dishes and clean your room and then there's more requests Always keep yourself well-groomed. Wash the dishes and keep your room. When you say please and thank you too. Just watch and see what those words can do. Should have been a Peter Gabriel ripoff instead of a Phil Collins. At least then it'd be about sex and we get a few eggs in there. <laughs> and basically we're just going to have all of Genesis teach us manners. <laughs> I do want to say that at the root of this not good production, the idea is kind of good of like, oh, to teach kids manners or something, let's bring an alien down and aliens don't understand human manners. That's like something. It's just like every decision was not the right one. I would say. I gotta say, some of these manners are fucking bullshit. Why does it fucking matter which way you pass the food? Why does it matter which side the fucking knife and fork is on? This is Reagan's America for sure. (laughs) (laughs) This is arbitrary bullshit that does not matter when it turns out you're going to be spending your 30s alone in a (laughs) studio apartment anyway. And later on, when they're talking about introductions, they say something along the lines of, There's rules for introducing a younger person to an older person, a boy to a girl, a less important person to a more important person. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? I don't like the implications here. (laughs) I think that is still true today, though, because I do event planning and stuff. And so, like, I have to, like, introduce people to each other. And I I don't think I would categorize it as being like, you're the less important person. Get to know this head honcho or something. But, like, you know, there are still those weird arbitrary rules of, like, you always stand up when a lady enters the room and you always put your napkin just so. And if somebody nods their head, you nod your head along. But don't talk until they talk first. Like, all these weird things that don't... Don't super matter at all. Hey, kids, respect fascism. <laughs> this is dystopian. <laughs> hey, kids, Beesbo says be good little minimum wage scrubs and never question your higher-ups. <laughs> Beesbo says Big Brother is watching. That's a good Beesbo. Discussing salaries with your co-workers and trying to unionize would be rude. You don't want to be rude, do you? You don't want to go to the rude zone. Unions, yuck. Healthcare and benefits, yuck. (laughs) Feminism, yuck. (laughs) Beesbo grows up to join Gamergate. (laughs) Beesbo's red pilling does it again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Beesbo would be so fucking easy to red pill too, and that terrifies me. Yeah, he was basically red pilled by Gilbert, or not Gilbert, Charlie, sorry, because he he first says that you're ugly, your mom is ugly, your whole family is ugly, and he says it with a smile. <laughs> 
employ B. And honestly, Beesbo's probably even worse because Beesbo has magical powers to change anything to whatever he wants. <laughs> well, let's talk about Beesbo for a second. So we see his true form, which is a gutted teddy bear with overalls on. <laughs> It's an Ewok in a Captain EO costume. And then we're immediately introduced to our protagonist, Gilbert and Gilbert's sister. I don't know what her name is. Gracie. Gracie, thank you. Wait, it just hit me. Beesbo, Basilbub, do the math. He's Satan. He's literally <laughs> Satan. He's even named after him. <laughs> Beesbo is the Lord of the Flies. So we get the intro scene where, because we also get introduced to Charlie, the villain, quote unquote, of this movie, and... Basically, how it starts is that they're all, like, playing a baseball game, and Charlie keeps cursing out everyone in, like, the most kid-friendly way possible by saying, like, Hey, your mom's ugly! My grandma can play better than you! Yeah, 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 yeah! (laughs) Does anyone give a remote shit if I spoil this before the end? Yeah, sorry guys, we're gonna spoil this 48-minute instructional video from 1986. To anyone who's really passionate about Beesbo... We're sorry. We got to spoil it for you. I know. It's hard. This is easily the most unconventional episode we've ever Absolutely. done. Wow. Don't dox me for it. Anyway, it turns out, oh, he just wanted people to like him in the end. One of those where you just have to teach the asshole child to be nice. Well, okay. If we're going all the way to the end. So what threw me off so much is that, so yeah, Charlie's the bully and- he comes over to Gilbert's and Gracie's house to expose Beesbo as the alien that he is. But then Beesbo makes him like look like he did good magic tricks. And then uh, Charlie was like, yeah, I, I realized that like I didn't want to expose Beesbo's secret because like it felt good when those parents liked me and they thought I could do magic. And I was just like, wait, you like magic? You know what else feels good? Getting that sweet, sweet, don't tell anyone about the alien money from the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) Damn straight. That feels a whole lot sweeter than some random kid's parents liking my shitty magic tricks. (laughs) They literally say at one point, Charlie, is having money more important than friends? I mean, in this case, if it means turning an alien into Area 51, fuck yeah. Especially if it's this little shit. He could literally basically blow up the world because somebody will make a joke like, Come on, Beesbo, it's not the end of the world. Now it is! (laughs) (laughs) but you know what is nice about Beesbo from the evidence that we have in this movie he could solve global warming if he decided to because at the very end Betty goes this is totally cool and then Beesbo's like think again motherfucker now it's totally cool and he makes it snow Um, and then we haven't talked about this yet Beesbo has this laugh he sounds like an evil gremlin he sounds like one of the evil gremlins that uh, hangs up uh, Gizmo Yeah, basically. Imagine Fred Figglehorn, but while you took too much acid. (laughs) That is the experience you'll get watching this. I really wonder if the cast and crew, like everyone involved with this movie, just looks back and just feels so bad about what they've done. I would feel so dirty if I was in this. I just feel so bad for the cast because it just feels like they were all roped into this shit. It does. No one gives a shit in this thing. If my agent ever came to me and he said, hey, I got two choices for you. You can either do Beesbo or you can do a 1970s porno film. (laughs) I don't care how much it sucks. I'm going to choose the 70s porno. (laughs) 
So back to the beginning, it cuts away from all the other team members. I'm just like, yeah, they're all, they all probably murdered each other. <laughs> what the camera didn't show is that the baseball kids went full fucking Lord of the Flies there. Three of them <laughs> died during that. And then basically the kids end up finding the ship, which by the way, that ship basically looked like a CGI seashell. Remember how Pixar looked when they like, first made that face thing in the 1970s ever yeah <laughs> well imagine something with a lower budget <laughs> at least pixar added in a lot of expression in their early movies and it made it look fun that cgi just looked like ass <laughs> the fucking michael myers face or whatever that fucking weird 70s thing with the face was that had more expression and more depth than this thing. <laughs> Just anything on N64 or PS1 was more convincing than this shit. I will say, the girl that plays Betty, she kills it like she has restraint so i watched this for the first time actually i think just about a decade ago and i remember just being like yeah betty kills it like she's the only one that's doing a performance that isn't yelling oh betty you poor poor soul like the performances from all the kids just feels like that one fifth grade play that everyone got together to do and you were just bored in the audience because they you knew they weren't giving their all Oh, you're telling me my parents didn't like my performance in The King and I? <laughs> oh, Ross, I'm sorry, Aww. man. You know what this performance comes off as? Remember in English class when you all had to, like, read a book for class, but the book was a play, and you all got assigned your own fucking characters, and you had to read those lines out loud? That's literally what this felt like. This felt like a fucking... They had to be in this for, like, fucking English class or something. It felt like they had to hold up the cue cards basically, like, 5,000 times and they still didn't get it. So they were just gave up and were like, fine, we'll get whatever the least worst take is. That reminds me when you were, uh, Randy, when you were talking about the, um, like, English class. So in English class in 12th grade, we did, like, a play unit and my uh, English teacher then was, like, a big like theater fan. And so we read uh, aloud for class Oleana by David Mamet, which is a two person play. It's just uh, a male professor and a female student. And it's just them having three conversations that get more and more intense and angry. And for some reason he wanted to read for the angry male professor. So like, it was just him like having these weird conversations with like a random kid in our class and i remember specifically i wanted to read but he was like nah like there's like the character curses and like you can't curse in class <laughs> oh god yeah. and meanwhile in my senior year of high school my english class we read oedipus so uh oh oh no fun. oh no jeez mine was the glass menagerie but yours oh oh, oh boy no i have a better one in middle school you know what play we did? What? The one about Anne Frank. Oh. <laughs> and we had to read lines of that, and a few of those characters, I think, were Nazis. So. Oh. Yeah, I'm now thinking about that. That is fucked up. Just have us read the regular book. That's like when people realize how Nazi-heavy the sound of music is. You're just like, oh, I thought this was just about precocious children, and nah, there's like... A really good love song involving a Nazi youth. That reminds me, speaking of the sound of music, um, for a little summer class program I did as a kid, I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. It's not summer school, but it's like still kind of summer right, school. Right, yeah. 
this was a fun summer school where you could like pick your classes, but your parents kind of mostly did it for you. You know, not only was there the computer lab, which I was a fucking huge fan of, obviously. Uh, the other one I had to do was uh, they were putting on a play of The Sound of Music, and I was an extra. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, okay. But I still had to fucking do choreographed dances for some oh, reason. Man. Oh, Because you were lucky. Choreographed dancing rules. Like, thank God that COVID has happened because I haven't been to a club in a year, so I haven't had to just, like, resort to, like, fist dancing in a year. <laughs> oh. Oh, geez. Maybe it's just me, but, like, when I was a kid and I found out I was just an extra with no real lines... I was pretty psyched because I was like, oh, thank God. I, I, I can just stand there and I get through this. Then they say, oh, by the way, you have to learn all these dance moves and be a part of that. And I'm like. <laughs> and like have fake conversations in the background. And like you just have to like you pretend to talk to the same person. You're just like, yeah, we're talking about like groceries yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so speaking of COVID, how much do you want to bet that little shit Beesbo caused all of it? He probably did. Beesbo, don't you, you want to avoid that like the plague. Plague! <laughs> <laughs> no! So speaking of, we finally meet the little demon, and it turns out he is just fucking terrible. I hate him! 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 He made me sympathize with Anthony from It's a Good Life. That's how much of a little shit he was. At least Anthony didn't know he was causing so much pain to everybody. It's like... Is this what it's like to be on the other side of the baby bop fight? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the right side of history, Randy. Welcome. Nope, I still love baby bop. Well, here's an important question for everybody. Uh, do you like ham and cheese sandwiches? Because Beesbo has a very strong opinion. <laughs> ham and cheese? <laughs> yeah! Yuck! I mean, I don't like ham and cheese either, but jeez. So we got a Beesbo in our midst. Uh, I'm going to go jump out the window and then pour bleach all over myself just because of that. <laughs> Well, anyone got a light? <laughs> Ham and cheese is kind of like the most milk toast of all the sandwich combinations. Like, you can do so much better than that, honestly. That is. better. <laughs> it's true, and you should say it, Randy. See, we were a turkey breast family. Damn right. I know bologna is basically just a flat hot dog, but... It's still good. That's why it's good, because it's a flat hot dog. Meanwhile, I'm over here with my PB&J Uncrustables. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Uncrustables for life! Yes! For some reason, I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I fucking love them. But I just don't like peanut butter regularly, and I don't know why. I don't hate peanut-flavored things. I love, like, peanut butter Cap'n Crunch. I love Reese's Puffs. I love Reese's the Candy. But for some reason, I just don't like peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter is hands down one of my three favorite foods. My three favorite foods in no particular order. Peanut butter, popcorn, and, like, eggs yes. in general. Holy crap. Like, my, one of my daily snacks is, like, I have a big jar of peanut butter from BJ's and, like, spoonful... I'm good to go. I love peanut butter just as long as it's the creamy kind. The crunchy kind, I just cannot fucking stand. I'm team chunky. Oh. I'm creamy all the way. <laughs> Maybe I'd like chunky. I'll have to give that a shot. So the kids meet the demon Beesbo, and they have this really weird exchange where Beesbo reaches his human form by basically what they do is they try to communicate with Beesbo and say, blip, blip, blip. 
And for some reason, it fucking works. They don't even know what he's saying. No, the best part is before that, the kid just says hi to him and he starts freaking out. (laughs) You know what? That is just a huge social anxiety mood right there. I I totally get it. That's going to be me after COVID. (laughs) And so then basically he turns into this human, which looks so unconvincing because he gives the human form these giant fucking ears. Like no one would believe that he's a human. And he has this massive fucking afro he looks like weird al or every jewish child as a kid (laughs) basically he looks like a mixture of weird al and baby elijah wood (laughs) remember chase from zoe 101 yeah Yeah. imagine that but shorter also for some reason beesbo knows what a hat is but he doesn't know what manners are so when they tell him like okay maybe you'll need a hat to cover your ears and he just pulls up a bunch of hats and then they're like uh actually your hair will cover it and i'm like why yeah his selective knowledge is very frustrating because yeah he knows like a lot of different weird intricate things like basically beesbo is amelia bedelia i guess but to be an amelia bedelia type you have to have an intricate knowledge of the english language which he sometimes has but then he doesn't understand anything about like just saying please like has his species just abducted things from earth before and then that's all he knows or maybe he just comes from a planet where everyone speaks english and wears hats he knows what hats are but he doesn't know the difference between converses and boots (laughs) because he says he's wearing boots but the camera specifically zooms in and he's wearing like red fucking converse what the hell fuck You know what I just realized? (laughs) All of this shit we've dealt with being taught manners as a kid is fucking useless because we all, in the end, just end up saying what's up sluts to our friends all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that would have been the perfect way to start this off. Beesbo just comes in and says, what's up sluts? Also, let's be real. If manners meant shit, then we wouldn't have most of the politicians that we did. (laughs) I guess I wouldn't go into, like, my friend's house and call their parents a slut, but, I mean, that's just me. I don't know how you all operate. That's probably, like, Amy Poehler from Mean Girls. Depends on how close friends you are with the parents. (laughs) But there was never anything quite as exciting as when a parent was like, please call me, like, Diane or whatever. Like, call me by my first name. That was exciting stuff. Please call me Mrs. Slut. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Oh, please, Mr. Slut is my father. You can just call me Slut. Hello, I'm Mr. Uh, Sluts, and I come from somewhere far away. (laughs) Anyway, so then Charlie ends up basically overhearing them, and for some reason he sees all that happened behind that giant-ass boulder, and then basically he teaches Beesbo how to tell other- well, accidentally teaches people how to say, You're ugly! Beesbo's just fucking roasting the shit out of these kids. It's absolutely savage. If, and for some reason, their first reaction is to, like, try and be nice to him. Like, if a random kid came up to me and said, me, my mom, and my entire family are ugly, I'm throwing hands. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I will throw hands with this Captain Eowok. <laughs> Oh my god, what would happen if someone taught Beesbo how to swear? Oh god, he's, he's probably overheard someone at some point. Like, he's just gonna casually drop shit or fuck somewhere in the middle of the <laughs> conversation. 
<laughs> or, oh my god, what if somebody says, holy shit, and then B's book just makes up? <laughs> you know what? I don't want to put that image into anybody's head, so never mind, never mind. <laughs> Let's face it. If this was an accurate depiction of kids from the 80s, if they found a robot who doesn't understand how humans work, they would just be fucking with it. <laughs> if this was Stranger Things, this would be over in a fucking heartbeat. Eleven would fucking kill this fucker. Hey, Beesbo, do you know who George Carlin is? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Beesbo, we're going to show you some George Carlin videos and get you a job. We promise your boss is going to love it when you say these things to him. <laughs> and then also there's a line that almost works it was basically the only time i got a mild chuckle out of this whole thing but even still it's so badly executed that maybe it was just because of how awkward it was there's a scene where the girl's like hey let's let's have beesbo over for lunch and then he's like you eat space people for lunch Again, Amelia Bedelia. (laughs) This really needed a laugh track like yesterday. I miss Michelle Tanner. That's how bad Beesbo is. That's the Stockholm Syndrome talking right there. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll do you one worse. I missed Urkel. (laughs) Okay, now you crossed the line. (laughs) It's a little too far, dude. Wait, way too far. I'll live in my room. That's it. Okay, that's it. We're canceling Kit. Yay! That means I get paid thousands of dollars to say, I've been canceled on TV. Dude, Fox News is going to pay you like $100,000 to say I've been silenced. (laughs) (laughs) Buy my silence permanently. $8,000 a month. (laughs) Arguably, you could say that Beesbo is like a far-right icon because um, he's being censored by all of the liberals around him and conforming to their way of speaking. (laughs) Oh my god, right! (laughs) So they decide to take Beesbo to their parents' house, and they bring their sister along, who's totally cool with all of this, by the way. She doesn't question any of this at all. If I ever do, like, drag, I would do drag as Betty, because she's just, like, chill. (laughs) You know what? I hope Betty's doing okay in these trying times. If I ever did drag, I would probably be the mom. (laughs) The mom is cool. She is, like, the most average, like, 80s woman voice, if that makes sense. Just, like... That boy has the worst manners. Like, she sounds like she's speaking cursive. It's very nice. <laughs> yeah, she's very proper and posh. This kid dumps potato salad and milk all over the place, and she's just like, oh, well, that's not very nice. Don't you think some of us would also like potato salad? That's my impression of the dad. <laughs> and then the fucking parents just don't even question why suddenly the table's clean at the end. They're just like, oh, I guess we've got too much sun. And I'm like, I feel like these parents are just deliberately that fucking stupid. Oh, they are. Like, putting everything into account with the ending. Yeah, they're... Everyone in this is just a fucking moron, man. Parents in 80s children's media... We're fucking stupid. (laughs) Absolutely. And I want to go into specific detail about that lunch scene because that was the worst fucking scene in this whole fucking thing. It was just mind-numbingly terrible. (laughs) I'll admit it starts off kind of funny because Beesbo comes in and I forget exactly what he says. The parents say something along the lines of, oh, we're having ham and cheese today. And he just comes in just shit-talking the whole family. What was weird about this whole scene, too, is that, like, they're like, oh, we have to get home for lunch. 
And lunch is just like we've been saying, ham and cheese sandwiches. It's like one slice of ham, one slice of cheese, like a slice of lettuce. And there's just like seven sandwiches on a platter. Like, am I in the minority? Like, is this how families served sandwiches? I thought it was like you put the like meat and toppings and stuff like on the table and people just kind of like grab whatever and they make it themselves. Exactly. Yeah, that's basically how you do it. Pretty much what we did. (laughs) Okay, cool. And who even puts like a singular piece of ham and cheese on bread and calls that a fucking sandwich literally two parts ham one part cheese fucking white people that's who (laughs) and so then beesbo makes a whole mess of the goddamn kitchen because he takes things too literally and these parents just show way too much fucking restraint but what was also weird is that when Bismo makes the mess and the kids are like, we're going to go back outside. We'll come back later to clean this up. That's really rude. Like, yeah. you can't have your friend trash the entire room and be like, we'll come back later to clean this up. Because if you know any parents, they're not going to be like, yeah, we're just going to leave this now going bad potato salad and food and stuff. We'll just leave that out for a few hours. Who cares? Like, you want to talk about manners? You gotta clean this shit up and take responsibility. What this movie is saying, basically, is you gotta pay attention to, like, arbitrary shit that doesn't even matter, like fucking fork and knife placement or some shit. But but when it comes to stuff that's, like, actually, like, a thing... Oh, we'll just, we'll, we'll dad, 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 disregard. Oh, we, we fucked up your table? Ah, we'll clean it up later. <laughs> and then there's a scene where Gilbert basically says, I'm all ears, and then Beastbo just is like, okay, and then basically fucking inflates his ears, and I'm just like, what the hell is this kid capable of? So now Beesbo is delving into body horror. I want to see the David Cronenberg cut of this movie. <laughs> Oh, God, no. I'm so glad nobody in this said, don't have a cow. Because then we would have had to watch this thing give live birth to a cow. Ah! No. Although later, although later the dad does say something like, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. And Beesbo almost lights up and then Gilbert's just like, no, Beesbo, it was an expression. I was like, release the dad eats a horse cut. Summon the horse, you fucking cowards. This family just has weird eating practices because I was also confused why they were like getting dressed up for dinner. Like everybody's wearing nice clothes and like it's just like Tuesday night or something. Like nothing's happening that would warrant like a nice dress up. I don't know why that threw me off so much, but it did. I guess something something manners. I don't know. (laughs) What manners does this even teach but a bunch of stupid boomer shit? (laughs) (laughs) And then Charlie ends up somehow getting a photo of Beesbo while he's at the table with all the ice cream. And it's not even a photo of normal Beesbo. It's a photo of him in his alien form. So how, how does this work? Does he... Is he like a vampire? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, basically. So now, basically, from the front... He kind of looks like one of those motherfuckers from, like, War of the Worlds, but with an Ewok body. He looks like if an Ewok fucked Mothra, basically. (laughs) If an Ewok fucked Mothra and then became Captain EO. You know, when Ross initially showed this movie to me, and I only caught, like, the first few minutes where he's still in the alien form, my first assumption was that this was automatically going to be, like, some big... Fuzzbucket energy. Somehow this ended up being way worse than Fuzzbucket. <laughs> it was like Mr. Boogity energy. 
I won't go that far because Mr. Boogity slaps, okay? <laughs> I will die on that hill. Yes. Basically, Fuzz Bucket at the least had a plot. It was still terrible, but it made sense. I don't know what the point of this was. And we also get the scene where everybody gets introduced to Beesbo, and basically how it starts off is he freezes everyone, and he steals the basketball, and he does like a fucking slam dunk. <laughs> but it's it's shot in a way where you can tell... The kid is clearly standing on, like, a platform to get on top of that thing or someone's holding him or whatever. I just realized he, like, froze everybody and then started moving really fast. Is this an X-Men reference? Goddamn right. Was that just a Quicksilver reference? (laughs) They recast Pietro and you just see fucking Beesbo. (laughs) (laughs) Who's been messing up everything? It was Beesbo all along. And I killed Charlie, too. <laughs> bum, bum. <laughs> and, oh, my God. So, Beesbo, at one point, while they're trying to teach him some table manners inside, he makes Gilbert basically float to the fucking ceiling and doesn't let him down for, like, a good minute. And when Gilbert's like, please, please put me down with cherries on top, he's like, eh, I don't like cherries, and just walks away. I'm like, that kid is a fucking sociopath. <laughs> Hey, Beesbo knows what he likes. I was half expecting him to just drop Gilbert, like, face first into the table. <laughs> and he just gets a fucking bloody nose. First of all, that was genuine terror in that child's voice. Okay. That was genuine fucking screaming of terror and desperation to let him down. This kid was, like, shit his pants terrified. And Beesbo still just psychologically tortured him for a good five minutes. <laughs> right, but you cannot deny that Beesbo's magic did it again. <laughs> <laughs> but also, in all fairness, Gilbert kind of is a little bit of a shithead, in my opinion, because he keeps making, like, these dumbass one-liners, and everybody just keeps getting fed up with his shit. Gilbert! I swear to God, Gilbert, so help me God! He's basically he's basically the complete opposite of the little orange fucker Gilbert. <laughs> Cause one thing that happens is after Beesbo meets the parents, Beesbo says something along the lines of, Oh man, I don't think your parents like me that much. And then Gilbert says, Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> he's not wrong. Honestly, I don't get why they didn't just turn him in. This fucker is dangerous. He can literally cause the world to just explode if he feels like it. Also, can we talk about the editing of this movie real quick? Because it's just so fucking disorienting at times. They are literally cutting in mid-sentence half the time. And one moment that really caught my eye slash ear was when all the kids are teaching uh, Beesbo table manners and... Gilbert says something along the lines of, oh, I don't get it. And then Betty just replies with, ass. But you, it's cut off. So, like, you can tell she's trying to say something else. The editing in this is so fucking awful that it's going to win a 2019 Oscar. <laughs> And then also, halfway in the middle, I don't know if this was because of the video transfer, but sometime during the ice cream scene, it also just kept skipping. So I don't know what I missed there, but it felt like a creepypasta. I'm like, I feel like I didn't miss much. (laughs) The tape on the YouTube video we were watching just started glitching the fuck out. And that was the most enjoyable part of this. (laughs) Like, hooray, we're almost free. Well, I liked the journey that we went on where we learned not a lot about anything or how manners worked, but uh, on the bright side, 
uh, we got some weird powers and displays of energy. Huzzah. And then also they later just torment this poor mailman. Oh, I forgot about the mailman. Basically, the fucking mailman drops off a giant package and then Beesbo's just like, let's play it safe. And then the mailman comes back and he's like, um, did you guys see a giant safe outside? And they're just like, you must be crazy, man. But he also came back because he said, I forgot to give you this letter. That's what a mailbox is for. You put it, you put it in the mailbox. <laughs> Beesbo, the Louis DeJoy story. And before that, we get the scene where uh, they teach Beesbo how to meet people's parents. And this is a really weird scene because Gracie and Gilbert play the parents. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't fly today. No. <laughs> Sweet home Alabama. And the fact that Beesbo can just magically change people's clothes and their skin, I'm like... That's what's weird is Beesbo knows what clothing is for adults. He knows what a mustache is and he knows all this stuff, but he doesn't know basic manners. Like, I feel like you learn manners and just like, please and thank you before you learn, like, how does a father dress? (laughs) (laughs) Well, how does he know what appropriate formal wear is, but not manners as a whole themselves he also knows what a train is because he randomly changes the kids into conductor outfits i feel like beesbo is just playing dumb and we're just really underestimating his true power this kid would probably just blow up the entire cia that's how powerful he is (laughs) i so this is actually the prequel to independence day it turns out (laughs) or this is like the prequel to that twilight zone episode where with the little boy that has powers so everybody has to be nice to him yeah yeah, exactly. Or maybe this is the prequel to War of the Worlds. I mean, I, I did say his front face looks like one of those, like, World of the Worlds bitches. These are all part of the Beesbo universe. The Beesbo universe. <laughs> Beesbo just randomly turns Gilbert into a jack in the box. <laughs> uh, turns out Beesbo has a tongue that's another mouth. <laughs> Beesbo prank calls people and then he makes them say, I'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big butt and my butt smells and I like to kiss my own butt. He uses his powers for all these things. But when Charlie kidnaps him and stuffs him in a trash can, he suddenly can't and he can't break out of rope for some stupid reason. Well, also, he gets tempted by ice cream, though, so I don't blame him. I mean, in all fairness, that ice cream did look pretty good. It did. (laughs) How advanced and civilized is this alien society enough to build, like, intergalactic travel methods, but still be this fucking stupid and easily tempted by outside distractions. <laughs> it's signs, basically. It's like these aliens can do just about everything, but they're afraid of water. Like, we know that Beesbo doesn't see Charlie as a threat because he does technically maim him earlier. He literally gives him a fat lip. <laughs> he just took the Kylie Jenner challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he gives him this comically oversized rubber lip thing it was terrifying man no remember when kids were like doing the kylie jenner challenge where they would like take a cup or a jar and just keep like sucking it until their lips were like boom Oh, yeah, yeah, that, I remember that. They probably just straight up forced this kid to do that. (laughs) Also, how did those bullies just set up that trap where they basically just have a bunch of garbage cans they can trap people in? I mean, hey, bullies always gotta be prepared. True. (laughs) 
they're just carrying that around and nobody is suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> they're just stealing everybody's garbage. So yeah, we get the next scene where it cuts to Charlie's lair and him and some other kid get ready to basically interrogate him or turn him into the CIA. Which, again, I'm not opposed to. We can totally do that. Yeah. Oh, and also, did we say that Charlie initially wanted $20? That's all he wanted. Oh, yeah, that's right. yeah. Yeah. And then at this point, as we're at the climax of the film, and Charlie is like, I could get even more than that. I could get anything I want now. We can terrorize the Turners into anything we want. So he's basically Biff Tannen. The CIA will give you, like, a lot of fucking money to shut up about something, so... Like, you can terrorize the kids, but I feel like the parents, if they see that, they're gonna immediately turn in the kids, so that's kind of pointless. <laughs> well, technically what it is, is uh, the CIA offers you money. A lot of money, but... Probably a good idea to take that first offer, lest you be sent to Guantanamo. Yeah, you're not doing a lot of, like, negotiating with the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a million dollars. Take it or we'll start waterboarding you. Take it or we're gonna take away your democracy, basically. At what point? What choice do you have? Oh no, I just got a million extra dollars. (laughs) (laughs) So we get the scene where the kids come up and they find Beesbo. And basically what they do is they decide to trap Charlie and his friend in a trash can and just kick them down a hill. (laughs) Effective. It it is pretty effective. But then Charlie, well, actually, no, uh, one of them is Beesbo, who they think is Charlie. So they kick him down (laughs) and they don't say anything about it once he gets out of the thing. And they kick Charlie's friend down, and we never hear from him again, so... Well, he shows up kind of randomly after Beesbo and Gilbert and Gracie leave the scene, basically. But even still, how did he survive that? Well, even if he did survive that, how was Beesbo like, wow, turns out life on Earth is pretty fucking rude. <laughs> y- y- you know, I was on you guys' side at first, but now that you just did this to me after I trusted you, yeah, no, I'm definitely telling the other ships to destroy this planet. Wow. They play it like it's a misunderstanding, but nobody ever acknowledges it. No, not once. They don't even fucking reveal him at the end, so... And after all that bullshit, when uh, Gilbert and Charlie get into a fight, they have the fucking gall to pull a violence isn't the answer kind of dumbass moral. But you just did violence! You were literally kicking people in trash cans down hills not a fucking second ago. You have no right to act morally superior. Is that not violent? <laughs> and also, who the hell lets their brother just almost get their crap beaten out of them by a bully? Also, there's a zine where Beesbo answers the telephone and then he's like, Okay, so I have to identify myself and I have to let them know that they're not home and I'll take a message. And I'm like, Beesbo gets doxxed. Yay! But guess what he does when he tries to answer the phone? He picks up the entire phone, puts it up to his ear, and he says, Hello, phone. Is anyone there? <laughs> Classic. <laughs> oh, again. More jokes Muppets Tonight did and better. Another thing they did was, like, they said, if someone knocks on the door, you kind of have to make it known that you're inside and then be like... Oh, uh, my parents aren't home. Could you come back later? Um, no. I was always taught that no matter who it is, you just don't do anything. We are defenseless children. Don't come in, please. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Hi, we are children who are making it known that there's no adults in this house. <laughs> Nothing bad is going to uh, happen. Don't home alone us, please. <laughs> How did this come from the Stranger Danger era? <laughs> I mean, it's the same decade that gave us that terrifying Winnie the Pooh special. So, Like, on the one hand, they're saying don't talk to strangers. And then on the other hand... They're saying it's rude to not talk to strangers. The Reagan era was fucking confusing. The Reagan era where they invent the rules as they go along. Just fuck this movie. Yeah, so let's get to the end where basically what happens is Beesbo is basically just allowed to stay at the parents' house now despite the fact that he fucking ruined their entire lunch. <laughs> Oh, hey, you're the little shit who destroyed my table and called us all ugly. Welcome back. And also, you stole all my potato salad. (laughs) It took us three days to make that potato salad. Three Three days. days. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just had to get that out of my system. Me too. I mean, the mom does make a comment like, this is the same child from earlier. It's like, yeah, mom, I'm sure you've never dealt with your kids having a bad moment or two, you fucking bitch. It's like, Gilbert, now you're the bad child, and I hate you at this table. (laughs) Well, in all fairness, that's how everyone feels about Gilbert, so... Sorry, Gilbert. Turns out you're back to being the worst child at this table. You know what that means. We shit in your bed, and then you have to roll around in it, and then we call you Stinkbert, and you have to deal with it. (laughs) Or Beesbo hears Gilbert and then turns him into a fish or something. Wow, this steak is the bomb. Did you say bomb? (laughs) Wow, this homework assignment is so hard, it's like... I lost steam halfway through that sentence. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I just had such a bad day. I wish I was dead. Beesbo, no. No. (laughs) Don't watch too much TV, kids. It'll rot your brain. Rot your brain? You're halfway through decomposition now. Uh, Beesbo, I'm having such a stressful day. It's like my own personal 9-11. Did you say 9-11? Beesbo, it's rude to assume that you can melt steel beams. Oh, Oh, Beesbo, he's worse than Hitler. Worse than Hitler! Hey, Beesbo, I'm going to the bakery. Uh, I can't remember how much a hala costs. Holocaust? It's okay, Ross is Jewish, he can make that joke. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, let's have a disclaimer. (laughs) Ross is Jewish, so I can do it. Yay! You know what's so sad? The whole time I was watching this, it just hit me that Mac and me has more dignity than this. Mac and me! Now Paul Rudd's gonna bring it to Conan every time he's on. I'll say it. I would rather watch Beesbo than Mac and Me. Mac and Me is long. It is interminable and it is slow paced. Beesbo, action packed. You're in, you're out. 45 minutes, if that, and you're done. Beesbo and Mac and Me are part of the same shit covered coin, where on the one side, you have mind numbingly boring, and on the other side, you just have infuriating. But what if Beesbo did like a dance number at like a Bennigan's or something? That would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this really was missing Ronald McDonald and a kid going over a cliff in a wheelchair. But I digress. 
Uh, and also missed a kid in a wheelchair getting yeah. shot. Which that happened, by the way, in the original cut. I'm in not the original. The kid got shot. I swear to God, that kid in the wheelchair and Mac and me just has the shittiest luck a child could possibly have. I think he's like an entertainment lawyer now or something like that. Or he's a professor. I forget. One of the two. I feel like that child just is some sort of just chaos being who just attracts nothing but bad luck or something. Give him a role on Stranger Things. He deserves it. Agreed. So then Charlie comes back and we get the scene where he flakes out on tongue on Beezbo at the last minute and everybody thinks he's doing magic tricks. Yeah, he gets a giant whistle and a hat. No one would believe that. No one. He literally came into the scene calling Beezbo alien breath and you do not suspect anything, you morons well okay hold on if if like some like snot-nosed kid came in your house and called a kid alien breath it's just like that's another insult like like fart brain or something like i i buy that yeah that's the that's the magical realism of yeah yeah i I can kind of see that and then the parents don't even react to the fact that this kid is basically threatening to beat up their kid. And they're just like, oh, okay, honey, I guess he's your friend. It's like, um, you guys are the adults here? Adults or something? <laughs> These parents make David and Jane Reed look sane in comparison. An actual assault taking place in your home? Uh, whatever, you know. Uh, not having potato salad because the kid ate it all? Oh, oh, okay, too far. Too fucking far. When Charlie pulled a rabbit out of his hat, I kind of wished it would have ended up how it did in the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah, where it it ends up basically murdering him and biting his head off. (laughs) Are you supposed to hold rabbits like that? I feel like you're not. No! As a rabbit owner, you are not, and that would have hurt the rabbit's spine, so what the fuck? I feel like that's kind of like how you pick up a kitten, because it feels like their mom to them, but I don't think bunnies carry their babies like that, so... (laughs) Kids, please don't grab bunnies by the scruff of their necks. (laughs) Please, for the love of God. Also, I don't know why at the end Beezmo didn't just decide, yeah, we can be friends, and then they just walk off together, then he just pushes him off the cliff. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's probably what happened right after the snowfall. He was like, haha, we had fun, but honestly, Gilbert, knock it the fuck off. Either that or they just all froze to death. The alternate ending where suddenly it cuts to them sitting in the snow like fucking Jack from The Shining. <laughs> oh my god. Beesbo ends up causing the ending of dinosaurs. Oh god, just imagine fucking Gilbert sitting there frozen with them. And he's just like, urge to kill, rising. <laughs> To to go off even more on that reference. (laughs) Well, all I can say is I want this movie to become a person and then I want that person to die. (laughs) (laughs) Good manners would be burning the goddamn tapes for this. Without question, it was just a slog to get through. I mean, some of it is quotable and there is a lot of good meme potential, but... This ain't it, man. You don't need to watch the full thing, basically. I I feel good about it. Like, there's definitely meme compilations uh, that you can watch on YouTube. Like, how I discovered Beesbo originally was, like, a two and a half minute thing where it was just, like, weird, out of context lines and just, like, the hits. And, like, that's probably all you need. But look, like, if you're bored, it's 45 minutes and, like, it's a weird enough time that you can... I think it's enjoyable. It's fair. Okay, so, yeah, so it's a it's kind of a mixed reaction from all of us. Burn this tape! 
burn it. Burn it and give it sentience. I give it a five out of five ham and cheeses. (laughs) Yuck. Force sentience upon this tape so as I burn it, it feels the pain that it deserves. I just put it right into the middle of a ham and cheese sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) But this one, yum. Ross, it was so great having you, man. Thanks for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you all three for having me. Uh, Yeah, definitely uh, uh, listen to my podcast, Kid Flicks. Uh, It's uh, bi-weekly, just like you uh, three. And uh, I review um, children's media, so movies and TV shows with uh, different comedian friends of mine, and uh, you can hear Tyler on an episode. We talked about uh, Son of the Mask, and good that was a good times. time, relatively speaking. And uh, and yeah, you know, follow me on Twitter at uh, Mister Wiseman, and uh, I'm sure the link is in the description of this p- very podcast. Heck yeah, and yeah, it was awesome meeting you, man. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. You can find me over on Mission Breakout. You can find me on a walking pun on Instagram. And you can find me trying to go find Beezwo so I can turn that motherfucker in. You can find me on uh, Cosmic Rewind on Twitter. Replace the E with a three. I am also uh, on No Context Harley Quinn and No Context TGIF and a few select episodes of Escape from Vault Disney. You can find me on Twitter at TylerFG, Instagram at TylerFG96. Uh, for the channel KRT, we are on uh, Twitter at channel underscore KRT. Uh, Instagram, we're at channel KRT podcast, all one word. And as Ross mentioned, you can also hear me on the Son of the Mask episode of Kid Flicks, which was a lot of fun, by the way, despite my rambling. And Kit and Randy, I don't know if you guys know this, but next week happens to be April Fool's. Ah, our life is an April Fool. I'm not sure what we could do for that, really. I mean, that's not really the time we release an episode since we do this bi-weekly, but... You know, I think we can make an exception for something. I just don't know what we can talk about. I mean, it's not like there's something that's synonymous with the word fools or anything that we could pick from. Not like clowns. Not like clowning around. And especially not something you can find on TV. Oh, well. Oh, well, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Channel KRT, cut to static. Yeah! Did somebody say Kai? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>